It's all about English football right now on the program, and why wouldn't it be? Who'd have thunk it at the start of this tournament that England would get as far as they've got, and they have the potential to go, well, who knows how much further after success over Colombia today. Talk about stress. I've got no idea what it'd been like being an English fan, so let's find one and find out. Chris Greenacre joins us, taking his Phoenix hat on and very much putting his Three Lions shirt on. Chris, how good, mate? How good? And welcome. Thank you. I oh, know it was um, it was nail biting at the end. I, I won't lie to you. Um, obviously, seeing that situation on a number of occasions, occasions and over a number of years, um, you know, not doing so well in a penalty shootout, and uh, so yeah, I certainly have no fingernails left. But thankfully, we're through through to the next round, and as you say, I'm quietly confident. I think. So what's changed in this side? We've seen it right since the start of the tournament. I suppose the first thing is that they've come with uh, nothing on their shoulders. No one's expected them to go very far. No one's expected much. They're a young team, meh, and they've managed to carry that through, haven't they, Greedy? Yeah, I've, um, I think someone spoke to me the other day regarding, um, I think, a comment by Rio Ferdinand, and, and, and basically Rio Ferdinand was saying that obviously he was part of, I suppose, what was classed as the golden generation and the, the generation of, of English players that were supposed to lift the World Cup and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and it never materialised. And it was fascinating to, to listen to him, um, and, and he's basically saying that a lot of the England managers down the down the years um, never really played to the potential of, of what, the English players that he had at his disposal did. So, for example, Rio Ferdinand, we know, was a top defender, really good on the ball, good at driving into midfield and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And when he was put on England duty, he was saying that he, he was never really allowed to do that. His job was to defend and give the ball and and he was not encouraged to play the game that he played in his, his club environment. And he said he thinks that that happened to a number of players, that, that they weren't playing the game that they played with their club team that actually got them into into national camps. And it just seems that Gareth Southgate is playing to the strengths of the players that he's got. You know, as for example, Stones, um, you know, he's driving into midfield and committing players, which is what he does with Man City. So it's it, it's interesting that I think that could be a major change in playing to the strengths of, of, of the, the players that he's got at his disposal. And um, at this moment in time, you know, the, the, the three at the back formation cer- certainly seems to be working. We'll look forward shortly. Let's carry on looking at the game itself, though. Uh, an astonishing first half with a lot of niggle, a lot of bitterness, a lot of aggro from the Colombians. Quite, uh, it was it was underwhelming, but the English didn't seem to worry too much about that. They almost held their metal right the way through that first half. Second half, not quite as strong, and then things started to tire when it came to that final 30. Was that how you saw it? I did, yeah. Um, obviously, um, I think to be to be quite honest, I think um, I think England played Colombia at their own game. Um, at times when we needed to take, I think a little bit of sting out of the game, we we were quite happy to do the, I suppose, the ungentlemanly thing of, of you know falling over and, and and waste time and never really allowed Colombia to get into any sort of rhythm. And 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 the South American teams are very very good at that, um, especially when they they take the lead. Um, I, I didn't think there was a great deal in, within the first half. I think both teams were a little bit cagey. Um, obviously, England seemed to dominate more possession, which in the past hasn't been, um, you know, a, a highlight of English play. But you know, with this this formation that we're playing, it's certainly allowing us to play out from the back and. And I think the back three are certainly playing through into midfield quite well, and, and we look very, very composed at the back. Um, I think as soon as Harry Kane scored, I think about on around about an hour, the game started to open up a bit. And, and to be fair, I think that sprung Colombia into life a little bit, and they had one or two attempts on goal. But 
Um, you know, as I say, we were the English were trying to uh, sort of take this thing out of the game and play the Colombians at their own game. And obviously, you saw the frustration, the yellow cards, and the little bits of niggle that go off off um, off the ball. Um, I think that's one thing I've I have been impressed with the VAR. Um, just coming from, I suppose, the strikers' union of. You know, strikers get manhandled at every set piece, every corner. I know all the defenders out there will be shouting at the radio now saying you're an idiot. But uh, from the strikers, strikers know that, you know, there's a lot of stuff goes unseen. And, and, and I'm, I'm glad that the VAR is starting to pick that up. Uh, obviously, it works both ways. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it got Harry Kane, again, was manhandled. And, um, and, and rightly so, given the penalty and, and dispatched it, you know, to the, uh, the plum. Manhandled? <laughs> he got ridden half the pitch, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of it gone on. And and I actually wonder, um, obviously, for England to concede in the the dying moments. um, I think because of that, I think England weren't very, I suppose, good in manhandling the the Colombians. Obviously, everyone was, there wasn't any sort of niggle, whether the players had that in the back of their mind. Because, you know, in the 93rd minute, the last kick of the game, you look at a defend your goal with everything you've got. And, You've been there yourself, you, you know. You know, you tug on opponents, and you do everything you can to stop them. There didn't seem to be that um, that sort of aggression. I didn't think, and obviously the guy got a free header, and you know we should have cleared it off the line, but we didn't do, and um, and then we went on to, you know, the famous penalties. Yeah, famous they were indeed. Let's go back uh, though from those famous penalties to the uh, unfortunately headbutt situation. Uh, Barrios and, and Henderson, what, what did you make of that move and the sanction that he received? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, from, I suppose, speaking, I spoke with a lot of rugby guys um, today and obviously the rugby guys are looking at the way, you know, some of the, the, the players go down and footballers go down in a real over-dramatic manner and um, and, and I completely agree. I'm, I'm not a fan of it, players rolling around. Um, you know, we saw Neymar doing it. I'm, I aren't a fan of that at all. However, going back to the VAR, um, if if Henderson doesn't go down, um, then the Colombian gets away with it. And and when the game's televised as it is, we've got millions and millions of kids all around the world watching it. That's not what we want to see. Yeah, the headbutt wasn't anything to 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 knock him down or anything, but the the intent was there, and that's what we're trying to clean up in the game. We're trying to, you know, kids don't need to be seeing that and shown that that's the that's the right way to go. And so for the VAR and and Henderson to go down the way he did, obviously highlighted it. They knew there was an incident, and then they can go in and examine it. And you know, to me, it should have been more. It should have been a red card. People will say, yeah, it wasn't much, but the intent was there. There's no need for him to go and, and headbutt the, the Henderson the way he did. And, um, you know, for me, it should have been a sending off because we're trying to not condone that type of thing and um, we need to stamp it out, I think. Chris Greenacre joining the programme. OK, come penalty goals, come the shootout. Uh, uh, Henderson, I thought, here we go. He's going to be the villain for the next two to four years, depending on what happens at Euro. <laughs> uh, I didn't think there was a way back, but plainly that's not what the English thought and you've got to uh, doff your cap to the uh, goalkeeper whose name just eludes me. But that was, uh, again, terrific yeah. drama, which is what we're getting so far in this World Cup greeny. It is, yeah. Uh, you know, it was a terrific save from Pickford, and and um, you know, for one-handed save the way he did was was terrific. Um, I must admit, I, I wasn't a fan of Henderson doing keepy uppies all the way to the penalty spot. As soon as I saw that, I was kind of shouting at the TV, going, <laughs> "No, don't do it!" You know, we you kind of remember back. To, I think Ryan Giggs was the last to do the kick ups from the halfway line, and he got all the way to the penalty spot and missed the kick. So I had, when he missed it, I was like, "You idiot! That's that shouldn't have happened. You don't, you don't." You know, sort of show off in front of the whole world of, of what you can do, and obviously it bit him on the backside. But you know, the you know we, we rode our luck, and obviously the, the Clemen hit the bar, and, and and obviously Pickford's made the unbelievable 
save to, to take us through. So, um, yeah, very delighted. Sweden await, and uh, Chris, their last eight competitive games, England have only triumphed over their Scandinavian mates once. Do you, do, does yeah. that come into the, <laughs> into the equation whatsoever? You'd think, you'd argue that the draw they've got, it's never easy in World Cup, but they're happy where they are now, and they've got a very realistic chance of, of getting through to the big dance. Absolutely. Um, you know, but you don't want to write um, Sweden off the way, obviously, um, in any comp- competition. They'll also, you know, go into the game with that, that record at the back of their minds, thinking that, you know, in the major competitions we do very, very well, so why shouldn't they, you know, come come into the game with confidence? Uh, but I think, as you mentioned, this is probably England's best chance, the way the draw's gone. Obviously, the teams that have gone out, um, you know, have, have stood in our way in the past and, and they're not in the way now. So, uh, but not taking anything away from Sweden. Um, I remember back, I think it was back to Euro, was it 92, where Thomas Brolin absolutely tore the English apart. And it seems to be since then, we've never been able to, um, you know, beat them. So um, it would be a great occasion if we could uh, could really stand up and, and, and go one step further. And um, if that happens, then who knows? Looking forward to it, as I'm sure you, all the expats and all the Englishmen and Kiwis out there who love this English football team. Good news story. And Chris Greenacre, thanks very much for sharing some time with us. No worries. Thanks a lot.